The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Brett King. along to episode 50, the big 5-0 for the Boys of Tech for Monday the 25th of January 2010. My name is Edwin Herman, Brett's King name is Brett King. Welcome along. <laughs> How's that for a bit of a different intro there, Brett? Uh, good, good, good. Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is not an outtake, I'm, I'm, this is going live. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Brett, you got all excited this week on some of the announcements at CES, which we're going to cover later on in the show. Indeed, they had some really, well, just cool stuff and weird stuff and, well, the entire spectrum of stuff, really. CES never really fails to, to impress. But uh, <laughs> just without going into too much detail, is, this, is there going to be some stuff that might interest you and you know, stuff that you might actually go out and purchase? Oh, yeah. Cool. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show then. So I wanted to kick off, first of all, on a rather sarcastic note. Uh, there's a company that's invented what's called, or what they call a sarc mark. Essentially, what it is, it's a punctuation mark to denote sarcasm. And I think that's a really, really, really good idea. Yes, I totally agree with you. (laughs) Oh, where do we start with this? We could have so much fun. So let's just describe the symbol, first of all. So, because this is an audio podcast, kind of hard to understand. It's, It's basically... It's kind of like a spiral, a 360-degree spiral that just is one turn, starting in the middle, going out to the end, and in the middle, just below the place at which it starts, is a little dot. Is that a good way of describing it? Uh, yeah, uh, I would say that's relatively accurate. It's a squiggle with a dot. Squiggle with a dot, yeah. It, look, I'll say this. When you see it, uh, you know, it, and you can Google this for people at home, just you know, Google Sarkmark, S-A-R-C, short for sarcasm. Mark, Sark Mark. Uh, you know, when you Google, if you Google this and take a look at it, it kind of does. It does give a, a feel of sarcasm, and I don't. I don't mean this facetiously. I'm, I'm actually. I you know, it, it does. I think it does the job well. But the whole idea that you know what they've done is they've they're going to license this. <coughs> it's copyright to them. I think that's ridiculous. ridiculous. If it's punctuation, it's part of language, and language is not copyright. Yeah, I, must I don't admit, pay well, anybody royalties <laughs> for using an exclamation mark at the end of my sentence. I wish I'd invented the exclamation mark. Oh, indeed. If you had and you had been able to incorporate it into, the, into language and still be able to charge license fees for it, imagine the amount of money you'd get from all of the kiddies on the internet with their, you know, hundreds of exclamation marks after a, after a couple of words. Well, actually, before we go... This is awesome! Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, one, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty accurate, actually. Uh, but, you know, before we go too far down that track, one thing I haven't been able to ascertain is whether they're licensing the use of the symbol or the software that generates that symbol on the screen, because those are two different things. Mm. Uh, and I, I, it's really not clear. We, In fact, I, I was hoping to get someone from Sarkmark on as our guest this week, but they've actually been swamped. Uh, by requests, and uh, unfortunately, we're a little too far down the picking order, so they they've d- declined. So we we can't ask them that question. But 
if it is that they're licensing the actual symbol as opposed to the software that generates that symbol, that's completely ridiculous. It is completely ridiculous because it's not going to be used unless it becomes part of language and becomes, you know, part of a font. Do you, do you think there's a need for a, a sarcasm mark? Would it, can it uh, be useful? Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> See, that sentence right there required the end, that mark because you would not have been able to tell that was sarcasm otherwise. <laughs> well, look, look, you know, you, it is an audio podcast and I can tell, but when it's written, I mean, this is, the, this is their point. That, you know, when it's written, people get the, the wrong meaning. They can't, you can't tell sarcasm very well. You can't you incorporate sarcasm very easily in written works and, and, you know, and emails and so Well, it really depends. <laughs> it really, really does uh, as to how the person has worded it, what they've written previously, you know, above the part where they've put in their sarcasm, what they write below it to, you know, define the context of the sentence that is sarcasm. So there are a lot of things you can use and other things about knowing who it is that you're reading something by, you can determine whether or not something is sarcasm. But yes, if it's just straight off one line, a one-line response to something else, and you've got no idea who the person was who said that line or anything else, you might be, you know, you could fall into the trap of mistaking something not as sarcasm that was. So really you're saying context plays a lot in, in, yeah. in that. So, I think context, so- context of the discussion or whatever it is that's been written that you're reading, uh, knowledge about the, the, the person who wrote it, if it's something in an email, you know, you send me an email about something and you write a sentence in it, I can generally tell whether or not that sentence from you is supposed to be sarcastic because I'm not you. I, know I know you. <laughs> right, and you <laughs> exactly. know what I'm like. But if somebody else got that email, you know, fished the email out of the other and read it, they might have no idea that what you were saying was sarcastic. But then it wasn't for them in the first place, so... You know, I kind of like, though, the idea of a sarcasm, a punctuation mark for sarcasm. I actually think it can be useful. Yeah, well, I think we already have. People have already done stuff like that. That's what a lot of the, you know, that's what emoticons are for. Emoticons came about because it was impossible through the text-based medium of the internet to say something was said in a friendly manner. So people would put a smiley face at the end of it because it, you know, shows that what you're saying is is meant to be taken as something friendly or whatever, not as a, a snarky remark. The same can be said for the different sarcasm. There are different kinds of emoticons which mean different things. And there is already ones about, you know, I'm writing something and I'm having a straight face uh, when I'm saying it, which is, you know, basically a sarcasm mark when you think about it. Well, Already, well, yeah, but what and that about, would be like that would be like colon and pipe or colon and forward slash. It's the <laughs> well, that, that's okay for informal stuff. But what about like books and so on? You know, imagine a passage from you know from a book. Uh, you know, okay. I, I'm bored. We've been I'm printing bored to... literature for a long, long time. Had we required a punctuation mark for sarcasm in literature, I would say we would already have had one. Yeah, but I think it could work. Look at this. I'm bored, said Johnny. How about you go and tidy your room, replied his mum. Oh, yippee, responded okay, Johnny. And, you know, and then after the, all, oh. <laughs> after, after the yippee, you know, you have the little 
some squirrely thing with a dot, the sark mark, it would work well. I'm actually serious. I think it would work quite well. I, I think, don't think, don't give, I think the idea of licensing it is completely ridiculous. I said that from the start. But the actual uh, you know, use and need for a sarcasm punctuation mark, I think is actually not a bad idea. Don't think we need it. No, not needed. No, no. Have to disagree with you in this on this one. We've done without it quite well with creating lots of very sarky things. <laughs> but has it gone down well? Because we know that people take. Okay, coming back to informal communications, we mm-hmm. know there's many instances of where people have taken emails the wrong way. So, ha- so have we really dealt with it well? I don't know. I think maybe. I think once again, you're still going to get to the point where people are it's it, how many times have you read an email and gone wow shouldn't there have been a full stop at the end of that sentence wow shouldn't there have been a comma in there the <laughs> only, okay, the so only they're not punctuation put the mark in. that people use in emails are question marks and far too many exclamation marks and occasionally odd smiley so yeah you're right so, yes. so you're, you're all these other brilliant <laughs> pieces of punctuation and they're not used that people just don't use or don't know how to use them properly so they miss them out I think it would just be another case of adding something that people are just not going to put in an email anyway and in proper literature books papers reports those sorts of things there's no there's either no point putting in sarcasm in the first place because it's not, you know, not something you'd put into it. You wouldn't put sarcasm into a report or a professional piece of writing that you're handing into somebody. No. Uh, and in literature, the context of the line and your knowledge of the characters is what determines whether or not Johnny was being sarcastic when he said yippee or is actually being happy when he says yippee I'll do my thing because of the rest of the stuff you've learnt about Johnny already or Billy or whatever his name was. I can't remember what I called him. Yes. <laughs> yeah okay so you know what you, you may be right because they people have tried to already introduce a, 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 a what do you call it? a sarc mark I don't want to call it that because that's their trademark uh, you mm. know a sarcastic punctuation mark mm-hmm. uh, an upside down exclamation mark I think was was used for a wee for a wee while and not successfully so maybe it's because as you said there is no need for it so people try to introduce this it didn't work simply because there was no need and so mm-hmm. these guys are going to do exactly the same thing and try and introduce something for which there is no need uh, indeed well I'm, are you going to buy the software to generate the sarc marks uh, no no if I really 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 wanted to do that I'd just add it to a font <laughs> <laughs> and does it already have an ASCII code? Well, <laughs> or no, ANSI. I can't remember what it's the current standards. Oh, UTF-8, I don't know, Unicode. Yeah. <laughs> does it have a Unicode? <sighs> Good question. Well, you know, it would have been nice to have them on the show because we could have put all these questions to them. We could have. Uh, but yeah, and we could have had a bit of fun too. Yeah, we could have. We could have given them some sarcastic comments. Yep, but done them straight-faced. Because as, you, as you've already well pointed out, it's very easy to tell something sarcastic when it's <laughs> verbal. No, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So that's that story done. So no sarc marks uh, on, on your computer. No sarc marks on my computer. Yeah, probably none on mine either. All right. So now the, the other big story out there, in fact, that wasn't a big story at all. That was just a, a little si- fun story, I thought. But w- <laughs> one of the big stories out there is the 
security hole in Microsoft's Internet Explorer browser. Indeed, but we're not talking about any Internet Explorer browser. We're talking about an Internet Explorer browser, which is two versions out of date. IE6? IE6. Well, that should have been IE, IE6. Indeed, IE, IE6. <laughs> yeah. it's, oh, I, uh, if you take the total Internet Explorer usage, the highest percentage of those Internet Explorer installations is still version 6. Come on, people. It's free. I know. It's crazy. It's used to connect to the internet. But Upgrade. Ju- well, ju- that just goes to show you that people, most people, not all, but most people use IE because it came with their computer. The fact that they're not upgrading tells you that. Mm. But, uh, yeah, look, they, it, it's, it was such a, a concern that, in fact, I think uh, the French and German governments actually warned people against using it. In fact, they're, they're encouraging them to use alternative browsers. Yeah, they're encouraging them to use a browser that's not Internet Explorer at all. Don't even bother upgrading, just get a different one. But is uh, IE8 immune to this? It seems to be conflicting reports on that. There is. There are a, a lot of conflicting reports on it. The browser with the issues which was attacked in the Google case has been reported as Internet Explorer 6. And not 8. And not 8. And yeah, Internet Explorer 6 was... It does not surprise me that it's Internet Explorer 6. Now, actually, Microsoft just released a, a patch out of their usual patch cycle this week, didn't they? Yeah. Did you see it come through? Uh, yes, I did. And have you been hacked since? Uh, no, <laughs> I wasn't hacked to begin with. I don't use Internet Explorer. I don't have Internet Explorer 6 on my machine. <laughs> Even when I had a machine which once had Internet Explorer 6 on it, I got rid of it really quickly because it was horrible. It was. It still is horrible. It still is horrible because it's sticking around. I know. Oh, it's, that's crazy. Are, oh. And all of the stuff that Microsoft have done to improve their Internet Explorer 8, but also to make their Internet Explorer 8 backwards compatible with the, you know, the bad ways that Internet Explorer 6 did things because of all of the different web apps using ActiveX and all that sort of stuff oh, yeah. for Internet Explorer 6, doing things the proprietary way that Microsoft did for IE6. Oh, yeah, yeah. So... You can do all of those. You can still view and use all those apps internet in Internet Explorer 8 because it has a compatibility mode for doing that. So there's no reason why you should still have IE6. What, you mean I can upgrade my browser? And it's yes. free? And it's free. Why didn't anyone Doesn't tell me? Any. <laughs> Sark Mark. <laughs> <laughs> How's that? <laughs> I told you we need one. We need one. <laughs> we need an audio one. That's what we need. Well, hey, look, here's an idea. Oh, yes, it needs to be an audio bar. Yeah, the boys hey. of tech, I know, the boys of tech will develop an audio sark market. So it'll be a, like a little sound effect or something like this. Or some, you know, some little sound. How's that? And we can license it. Hey, we could license that to the sark mark people to complement their, their written their, version. Their written version. <laughs> All right. This is, this is too good. <laughs> uh, look, you know, last week we had uh, the, the Whale, Cameron Slater, on the show as our guest. And he remember he was referring to someone who had suggested that the New Zealand government should be issuing a warning, uh, you know, for you know, vulnerabilities, mm-hmm. particularly Microsoft ones. I think he was alluding to this story, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he was. 
yeah, I still really don't know whether it, like he, he, the question he asked was, is it the government's job to be doing that? And well, and you know, he sarcastically said, you know, you can imagine that every two days they'll be issuing a warning for, for well, Microsoft. Yeah, yeah. But, or for any, and why does it have to, if you were going to have the government issuing these sorts of warnings, it wouldn't just be about Microsoft or just one particular oh, thing. Oh no, it, it wouldn't have be. To be about everything. And can you imagine that? Well, it would, you know, create a lot of new jobs in government for the bureaucracy and for the PR people who have to, you know, they'll be sending out one every few seconds for all of the different pieces of software and things that are out there on the internet and out there through different companies. Oh, absolutely. But that, and oh, that's no, what, there's that's the latest why... bug in AutoCAD. It might erase your files. You you better upgrade if you've got AutoCAD running. <laughs> Well, the reason, the reason I raise that is because, you know, as I just mentioned, the French and German governments have actually issued a warning against it. So why mm-hmm. are those governments doing that? Is, it, is this one so bad? I think bad? it's because the, of, yeah, it's because of what has occurred with this particular, with the browser and with the, the, the vulnerability in it has been such a news grabber and, you know, potentially nasty piece of work that they've taken it that extra step to actually warn people and say, we've got a potentially bad problem. If you are doing, a, if you are a business and you are using this browser, you are in a potentially um, dangerous situation of getting hacked and having your IP stolen and your work destroyed, that sort of stuff. And so they're actually taking that step to go out there. And I think that's, that's perfectly legitimate sort of thing to do. But I don't think having a, your government constantly update you and warn you about issues, bugs and such with your software. Um, I don't think that would make very much sense. No, and it still wouldn't get the mums and dads of IE6 either. No, no. Only Microsoft can do that. And I thought they had. I really thought they had. I thought they'd pushed out IE7 back when I, you know, just before IE8, they pushed out IE7 as a an urgent fix. It was an urgent update. Yeah, but you have to click OK. So they'll be going like, what's that pop-up cancel? What's uh, another pop-up cancel? This pops up every month. Every month I get this pop-up cancel. Uh, it depends on who set up their, their system as to whether or not it does you know, silent auto-updates. So yeah, this one was a particularly nasty one. So that's, I guess, why those governments have, have issued that warning. Mm. Uh, you know, Microsoft say, no, that's not the solution to switch away. It's simply to upgrade to IE8. And mm. maybe that's right. Maybe that's a fair, a fair call from Microsoft. Well, well, well it is. You don't, you don't always need to throw away the baby with the bathwater if something goes wrong. No, true. <laughs> that is, that is the, the common thing, though, is, oh, no, this piece of software has gone and done something really, really badly. I'll look for an alternative instead of you know just upgrading or applying the security fixes for it because you've been burned by that thing. You don't want to trust it anymore. And I think it's also just going by something which some anecdotal evidence completely outside the tech realm. It's part of human nature, I think, to if something doesn't work with one thing, you automatically try something else. Right, I have the, so, so it's, no, that this isn't working. I'm going to completely ignore this now and move on to something yeah. else. My random anecdotal evidence for this is the fact whenever I go and I try a door and I push the door and it says pull, I automatically pull the opposite door. <laughs> uh, it, that kind of makes Maybe sense Maybe I'm in just a way. weird like that. That, that, <laughs> that. that is weird, but it kind of makes sense at the same time. 
<laughs> it's like I've been burnt by this door. It did not open when I pushed it. So now that I know it's to pull, I'll pull the other door. Do, do you know what I thought you were going to say? <laughs> that when you push a door that says pull, that you decide, oh, no, I don't want to go in that store anymore. So then you go to some other store. <laughs> no, so, not, not quite that. <laughs> that requires a little extra thinking involved. Because <laughs> that would be pretty extreme. <laughs> yes. I don't think about the fact that I go for another door when I fail with the first the first side, but it's just <laughs> instinctual. Well, what do you do? What do you do if it's a single door? Well, then obviously there's only one choice, and so you pull the door. Oh, I thought you were going to now say that. Okay, you go to another store in that case. <laughs> no, no, it's just when presented with those double doors. If I push one and it fails to open, and I notice it says pull, I pull the other side. Well, it's better than pushing the other side. Well, true. It is. At least some part of it sinks into my brain. <laughs> yeah, there, there's some method there in that madness. Yeah, indeed. Maybe it's something that I do. Maybe it's just a, another weird Brett quirk. It's amazing how, how many doors get people, you know, and it will clearly say, I mean, this has happened to me. It happens to everybody. You know, it's clearly says pull, but for some reason you push. Actually, I know why some of them do it, actually. I've analyzed this. It's the doors that you're supposed to push that still have a handle Exactly. That's Those are the, the ones that get When you. you see a handle, you expect to pull. And so you grab that handle and you pull. That's right. And then you discover, wait, no, it says push. Yeah. You go, oh, crap. Cause, cause <laughs> Why you, has it got a handle on it then? Why does it just have a metal plate? Yeah, exactly. Oh, confusing You've brain. never yeah. tried to pull a door with a metal plate. <laughs> Indeed. That would be very weird. <laughs> it's bizarre. Anyway, <laughs> from doors back to... Uh, back to, well, tech news, really. I've got no segue for that, so this is going to be done very bluntly. Uh, Baidu.com is now suing a US domain registrar claiming that they've been, that Baidu's been a victim of hacking from their side. Interesting. Uh, for those of you out there who don't know what Baidu is, we did mention it um, last week when we were talking about um, Google uh, in China because Baidu is China's largest search engine. Very, very popular site, that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, this is, I think, another little tit for tat in, in the whole, you know, China versus US slash Google. Mm. I think you're quite right there. We're going to see a lot of this, I think, you know. Oh, you're, you're doing this to me. Yeah, well, you're doing that. And yep. uh, so it's all going to get very petty eventually. Uh, I think so. I'm not, I'm not suggesting for a minute that there's no substance to it, but... I think it's still going to get pretty petty. Alrighty, so that's that story done. On to Apple then. Uh, yeah, look, the rumours are that Apple are going to come out with a tablet. Nothing was announced from Apple at CES. In fact, they never seem to announce anything at CES. They do their own announcements. Mm. But they haven't announced an, a, a tablet. In fact, at the moment, Apple's kind of going around going, huh, tablet, what? Who? Yeah, what tablet? what tablet? We're not doing it. Yeah, what are you talking we, about? Yeah. Well, no comment. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny that I may or may not have a comment on whether we do or do not have a tablet. <laughs> you do that very well. So, but look, the rumours are rife, and you know what? I a tablet is very is very Apple-y. There's something very Apple about a tablet. It's, it's their space, really. It is. It's their space. It's the form factor and the interface that they have really well developed. They they do have a, a history with the tablets, a pretty good tablet, which was ahead of its time. And so, of, you know, of course, like everything ahead of its time, it failed horribly. <laughs> and um, some of you out there might remember the Newton. Oh, the Newton. Yeah, that's right. 
Yeah, that's true. They, you're right. They actually did sort of foray into that sort of space back then. And as you, as you correctly said, it, you know, it was a complete flop because it was just too far ahead of its time. So the mm-hmm. question is, is, is Apple going to now come back in that area? Are they going to produce a tablet? And if so, what's it going to be like? Uh, a lot of mm. people have been speculating and think that it's, it's imminent now. And yeah. to, to be honest, I look out of you know the other some time ago, the other rumor of a product that Apple was going to come out with was a gaming console. But you know, I to me, the tablet is far more Apple than a gaming console. Yes, the the tablet is definitely within Apple's spectrum of things that they've they've done in the past. But it's based on technology and things that they are really good at their strengths, the user interface, uh, the the way the software works, and in fact, you know. I think a lot of people reckon that the the tablet, if there is to be one from Apple, will very much be like a an oversized iPhone. Yeah, well, they've already got that styling, that you know, form factor, that functionality with their iPhone, their i their iPod touches, and just by making that larger and tablet sized, then bada bing. Well, actually, someone I can't remember who it was, but someone predicts that the the tablet from Apple if there is to be one is not actually going to be that it's going to be something quite different they they think that what Apple's going to eventually do instead of a traditional tablet is a device that's a cross between a tablet and a laptop so it mm-hmm. acts as a tablet when you want it to but you can dock it and it comes up with the Mac OS when when it's you know and use it as a laptop mhm which would be interesting which i you know i actually think that might that be- is interesting so you reckon when it's a tablet, it will be running whatever some sort of tablet OS. Yeah, like the iPhone, you, an iPhone-y yeah, type thing. Yeah. And when you dock it, it then brings up the Mac OS that's running on the dock part. Yeah, Mac that's, OS is, yeah, with wow, the menu and everything. That's really interesting because there is another product that was announced at CES, at CES this year, which is exactly that sort of thing. Well, we got to talk about that. Which, which product was that then? That is the Lenovo IdeaPad U1 Hybrid. Basically, it's a, if you remember tablet PCs from a a little while ago when things first forayed into the tablet realm, it's basically a laptop that you open up and then you can swivel the the, the, the monitor part around and it becomes a a tablet PC. Well, this is the same idea. You open it up and it's, it's a regular sort of Windows tablet PC. But then you can undock the LCD screen part of it. And once you undock it, it then runs not on the Intel in the the base part of it. It then runs on an ARM processor in the LCD top part of the clamshell and it runs its own tablet OS. So really, it's actually a tablet running a tablet OS that when docked to the keyboard part of the computer acts as a monitor. Yep, acts as the monitor. And it's, that's it's really... their hybrid idea pad. So, now, that's yeah. a cool thing. So that's Lenovo. That's Lenovo. The U1 hybrid. The U1 hybrid. I like idea it. Pad. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it looks pretty cool. Very much in the same vein as one of their other new products, which they announced there. Same sort of uh, styling. But yeah, it splits into two and you've got <laughs> your tablet which you can take away and sit in the lounge and internet on and uh, all that sort of stuff and then you can take it back redock it and head off to work so does it run the same os when it's docked and when it's not or no no it's uh windows when it's docked and when it's not docked then it's a linux based os oh that what that's kind of weird okay all right 
Mm. Very interesting. So what else what else was announced at CES? Oh. <laughs> well, where do you start? <laughs> exactly. Too many things to go through. They've been from the the you know, the big mainstream sort of things that everybody's probably heard about. 3D televisions. The different companies, Sony, Panasonic, um, Samsung, all announcing their 3D televisions. Panasonic actually showcased their new 3D plasma that they're going to be shipping, I think, first quarter or sometime early this year. So you're going to be able to get one from Panasonic pretty soon. So big things like that, down to really quirky things like USB memory sticks that are official licensed transformer brand USB memory sticks. So they're a little (laughs) transforming USB stick. <laughs> okay. And oh, of course, the quirky mice and bizarre office toys and interactive Gadget, things. things. Yeah. Indoor skeet shooting allow you to break everything else in your house. Well, what is um, that? Indoor what? Skeet shooting. Clay pigeon shooting? Oh, right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> They've got a little interactive device for doing that inside to just the little gadgets which make life easier. Wireless battery chargers, uh, little concealed uh, retractable cables for syncing your iPod and those sorts of things. All the way to the the more interesting stuff out there, like the the new ebook readers. There's been ebook readers in the news recently from different companies. Sony was bringing one out and those sorts of things. Is anything um, special about these ebook readers, or is it just another ebook reader? It's another ebook reader. But the, some of the ones that have been announced at CES are like the MSI dual screen ebook reader. It's like you, well, it's kind of like a book. You open it up and there's two screens, two touchpad screens. That's kind of nice because it feels yeah. like a, more like a book. It does. It does indeed. It runs Windows as its uh, operating system for the book reader. There's the things like the, the new idea pads, the, the hybrid that we mentioned, and Lenovo's come out with a, another couple as well. Alienware's new foray into a more netbook-sized gaming laptop, low-cost gaming laptop, something new for Alienware. Are gaming laptops popular? They are. They've got a niche. They've got a niche market. So who? what sort of gamer would, would want a gaming laptop? Why would you be gaming on a laptop? Uh, you're a businessman who travels a lot. You're a college student who has well-off parents. <laughs> but is, is the experience as good as, as a, a properly specced desktop? It can be. Uh, not quite as good as, you know, your full-on desktop gaming rig. Because your full-on desktop gaming rig, you can have multiple video cards in there running in Crossfire or the different types of um, video sync, proper physics hardware, all that sort of stuff. You can go full-out in a desktop machine, but the Alienware specializes in laptops with high-end graphics and high-end processing power and fast hard drives and all those sorts of things to get the absolute best gaming performance you could possibly get out of a mobile platform. So they That's do, they do try and speak about it accordingly? Yeah. Okay. And they've, yeah, they've announced their M11X, which is slightly larger than a netbook size so about 11 something inches now that's nicely portable actually yeah that's a nice nice and portable nice and light it's got the alienware staple of um upgradable changeable graphics processing hard drive ram all that sort of all of the cool stuff that you expect from an alienware laptop except smaller more portable and under a thousand us dollars so now that's a that's an attractive uh aspect isn't it yes yes So, so, so what about the controls? So what do gamers who play on laptops use as controls? Do they plug devices in or do they use a keyboard? Or? Yeah, keyboard, mouse. 
is your standard controls for PC Gamma. So you'd still have a, a separate mouse? Yeah. Oh, well, definitely. You need one. Touchpad or the little rubber nipple nowhere near as good for trying to <laughs> play any sort of game. Right. True. I remember playing Medal of Honor many, many years ago. I think that, that's probably the last game I actually played. Uh, and yeah, that's, yeah, you need the mouse. Mm. Tons of different tablets from different manufacturers were released. HP with a new slate, new touch smarts from HP. Sony has a new internet tablet. Some uh, startups, startup companies are coming out with different devices there as well. Oh, oh, and just going back to the 3D TV you mentioned at the beginning of this Mm -hmm. segment, are these standards for that or or is it each to their own at the moment? I'm not 100% sure. I I think it's still a little bit of each to their own, but there are 3D standards. 3D theatres are all done, well, most of those are all done to, you know, the Dolby Digital 3D standard or at least Dolby Digital 3D's specs whether or not i'm not sure whether or not it's standard or not but and i think wasn't a camera also 3d camera was announced as well indeed panasonic and their twenty one thousand us dollars um 3d camera <laughs> oh ouch twenty one thousand us dollars twenty one thousand us dollars and it looks kind of like well it looks like one of the high-end amateur panasonic cameras with goggles on the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of got like two lenses, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's got two lenses. Which side it, by side. Which obviously you need for stereo vision, to capture stereo vision. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, from that, using that, you'd be, you'd be able to record stuff in 3D, and when you play it back on your 3D TV, it, it appears in 3D? Yep. Now, that would if be nice. Yeah, yeah, that would be pretty cool. Because then you get, um, you know, Recently, we've had a, a, there's been a little bit of press on the the side effects of 3D cinema and uh, motion um, sickness, that, yeah, mm. motion sickness, headaches, those sorts of things, eye strain, and yeah, <laughs> some of the drawbacks from 3D things. And some of the different commentators out there on 3D televisions have been talking about how it's it's really going to be like uh, like laser discs, pretty much, a, very much a gimmicky sort of thing. And that a fad that may pass. Yeah, look, you know the, the whole thing about having to wear glasses, yeah, or, or you know goggles to mm-hmm. to see three D. Yeah, I I just can't see that. It is, I, yeah. I, yeah, I can't see it going beyond the fad stage. Yeah, neither. Hey, I see. Uh, Steve Barmer gave the the keynote. Yes, I, I saw a still from that. He's looking a lot older now. He, he's aged a lot. Indeed, I don't think he quite does the same sort of monkey dance entrance anymore, the Obama dance, and not quite so much vigorous developer, developer, developers. <laughs> it doesn't look like he'd be able to looking at him there. He's, he, I know. He, he has aged. We are looking at a single shot that maybe have been just a very bad facial posture. Possible. But yes, he's definitely getting on, as we all are. So there was, a, I understand, a, a projection keyboardy screeny type thing? That was yeah, announced as well. What, what was that? Uh, light blue optics announced the light touch. What do you uh, even call that? What's a generic name for that thing? Did, and tell us how it works. So, what what is this thing? Well, some of our listeners might remember in the past some uh, of the the gimmicky light projection keyboards. You've got a little black 
box that kind of looks like, well, it looks like some of the different, you know, upstanding USB hubs or, or wireless network routers, the, the upstanding ones. And it would project using little red laser lights, a keyboard onto any flat surface. And when you put your fingers into the appropriate letter on the projected keyboard, the little cameras would detect the change in the the light source there and would register that as a click. So you'd have your projected keyboard. This takes that a, a big leap forward where it projects an entire screen onto any flat surface and will detect and register where you place your finger on its projected screen. Oh, so, so it's a projected... It like a touchpad. Right, so it's a projected touchscreen, effectively. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah, still the same form factor, but yeah, pretty pretty neat. So how big's the device? The device itself is, I would say, about the size of a upstanding wireless router. Wow, that is awesome. That's amazing that they can actually produce something that small with that functionality. That's, that's great. Yeah. It's pretty neat. I know you'd like to have one. I, I would, actually. <laughs> you know me well. I would like to have one. I wouldn't like to pay for one out of my no, own pocket. No, I wouldn't like to pay for one. <laughs> but yeah, they, the first ones were pretty damn expensive, and I'm sure this will be just as bad. That's, so what, now what, what actually, I'm just trying to work out why, I mean, I know why I'd want to use it simply because it's cool, but why would you really want to use one of these things? What, what's, in it, what's, it, what's the market for this? I don't know. I think it is. It's one of those, it's, it's cool. It's a cool piece of tech, so why not have it? Well, actually, I, I, can't can't, I think really I can answer my own question. I'll try and attempt at uh, answering my own question here. Mm-hmm. What about in, in presentation rooms? You could have one of those, you know, where like in, instead of a, a full-blown computer. Uh, well, no, I don't think it would really work in that sort of situation because you'd have to have how many, how many people would you be able to crowd around it? It doesn't project a huge screen. But it's would, just would you, a but smaller. No, oh, no. But I was just thinking you'd have screen. the output still still projected up on the on the big screen. But the person operating it, c- you know, can use that for now. You know, on the table. So so you have you, you know you have ten people around a, around a, a big board table. One person's running this thing, but it's still projected up on the, at the front of the room. And you could pass this around for the next person to to do their bit or something. Would that work? Maybe. Maybe. Well, I'd have it because it's cool. <laughs> I'm not convinced it would be good in that sort of situation. <laughs> but it could do. I just don't see how it would be any better than the traditional passing the laptop around or the people who wanted who needed to do any sort of input in a presentation coming up. Well, is this thing wireless? No, not as far as I'm aware. Oh, well. Maybe there goes that idea then. <laughs> well, it's, it is... <laughs> It is kind of cool, and whatever you, whatever you'd want to use this, I don't know, but it is kind of cool, and it, it, as you say, it extends it from, it, you know, as you said b- before, you know, we've seen those projectable keyboards, but they're keyboards only, and this is actually a projectable screen, a touch screen. Yep. So that's pretty much CES two thousand and ten. Well, kind of. There's a, I guess, my coolest things, the things that I'm looking forward to the most from Says is actually a couple of things from Dell, of all people. They've got a smartphone called the Mini Three, which they've announced and they've announced the details for it, and they've also shown their tablet, a little mobile tablet, which is 
a larger than their um, smartphone thing, about five inches across instead of about three inches screen. Doesn't have a name yet, but it looks really cool. Now it runs Android, so so it's like uh, a little pocket computer. It's like a little pocket. It's it's emerging between a smartphone and a tablet. And actually, those- wouldn't it be a tablet? Isn't it just a tablet? It is, but it's a smaller tablet. A small tablet. It's a small tablet. A sort of a a portable PSP-sized tablet. Mm. Yeah, from all people, Dell, that is a bit of a surprise, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And and I'm I'm very much looking forward to seeing how that thing goes. It's almost like now there's there's a size for everything. Yeah, and (laughs) it's more choice for the consumer, but it's also more confusion for the consumer. Yeah, I, I think you're actually, I think you're spot on. You know, you can imagine someone going to a store looking at these different devices thinking, well, you know, I want something for on the go. Mm-hmm. Well, there's the tiny thing for on the little go. <laughs> exactly. And then there's a the slightly bigger one when you're it's, a little bit more on the go. And yep. when you're really on the go, you can have the slightly bigger one. And, and it is. It's what are you doing on the go? That's more the question now. It's in the olden days, it was. I, I, I need to do stuff on the go. And so you got a laptop of some variety. And depending on how portable and light it was, that's what you chose is, you know, you want something really slim and light and you don't need the peripherals, blah, blah, blah. But you know that the laptop would basically do everything that you would normally be doing in your office, except on the go. And that's why you got a laptop. Now, we've got all of these different devices and they all have different capabilities. And if the consumer is not completely aware of the different capabilities of the different devices, you can end up with things which you don't, which are never going to use or don't suit the purpose that you wanted it for. It's, you're seeing a lot of that. Um, a lot of people are talking about that sort of thing with the, the, the blurring of the lines between netbooks and laptops. Because netbooks started out, they, were, they had their niche and they did exactly what they were supposed to do. The internet, email, and basic word processing sorts of capabilities in a nice small form factor with as much battery power as you could possibly cram into the thing and as energy efficient as possible so that it would last a long time. But now that they've been making all of these new generations of netbooks, which are becoming, you know, trying to be more powerful, cramming more things in, they're starting to get bigger. And then you've got the other side of the coin, laptops, fully functional, got full mobile processing power of a a full chipset, not a netbook-focused chipset. And they've been getting versions which are smaller and smaller and more and more portable. And there's that blurring between the lines. And so you'll get reviews on the different review sites for different netbook products and for the high-end netbook products. And there'll be really poor reviews. They'll say it didn't have, wasn't able to handle the software I was doing. It wasn't able to do all these different things. And it's really obvious to anybody with a, an understanding of the different technologies inside them and the capabilities of the both that the person should not have gotten a netbook. They should have gotten a laptop. Right, so it wasn't not designed for that purpose. So yeah, they were trying to do something. So they're giving it a bad PC rap, that but they were not that that PC was just not designed, not capable of doing. And as you say, that's the danger that consumers are going to get into as well. It's the danger that consumers are going to get in because yeah. a lot of the time the the sales reps are just not going to have any idea either. So uh, unless the sales rep is up to it, you might be palmed off on a a, a really expensive netbook when you should have gotten a really cheap laptop. I'm nodding. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's all of these different devices, a device for every occasion. 
the point of it being, if you're a consumer, make sure you know what occasion it is that you're going to want the device for, and then make sure the device you end up getting is a device for that occasion. I think that's really well analyzed, Brett. I think I think you're spot on there. What else is there from at CES that interests you? Uh, what else that interests me? Well, I'm kind of keen on that transforming USB drive because it's quirky. <laughs> and it just brings back, you know, flashbacks of the 80s of Transformers. There's nothing special about it other than it's a USB key and a transformer. Yeah, basically. That's it. It's just a gimmick. So it's kind of a gimmicky retro type of thing. Yeah. Would you get one? Yes, I would. (laughs) (laughs) I warn people about falling for gimmicks and those sorts of things all the time. You paying extra money for nothing, but for Transformers, for the nostalgia value of it and its pure quirkiness, I'd get it. Uh, We're all allowed to have our (laughs) interests in weird, quirky, gadgety things once in a while. Mm, mm. But no, my biggest, yeah, my biggest look for to see as an outcome of of um, CES is more info on Dell's little tablet. I'm real keen for yeah, it. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, I can see you sounding pretty keen. <laughs> Fair enough, too. It's a it's a pretty nice looking device. Now, Brett, just one thing we haven't talked about as well from CES was Intel's announcement on their wireless display technology. Now, as I understand, it's a in simple terms, it's basically an a wireless implementation of your video cable, effectively. Am I right? That's what I got. <laughs> so you know, it's it's surprising that this hasn't sort of been been done before. I can see this is this has a real purpose, a real use, a really useful purpose. Yeah. So, you know, we've got, if you think about it, we've got wireless for pretty much everything now. We've got wireless for keyboards and mice. We've got wireless for internet cables. Mm-hmm. We've got wireless power. We talked about that a few episodes ago, towards yeah. the end of last year. And now we're getting wireless for, well, audio and video data. Yeah. This is nice. It I, is. <laughs> Anything that gets rid of the cable clutter is a good thing. Maybe this is something that you might use in a in a boardroom type thing, maybe. Yeah. To physically separate the, the screen from the PC or yep. from the laptop. They don't have to pass it around or what whatnot. Yeah, definitely. They've given it a new acronym too. Uh, in the same vein as Wi-Fi. Can you guess what it is? Uh, I don't know. You tell me. No idea. <laughs> W-I-D-I. <laughs> white eye <laughs> yes indeed <laughs> why die why die or, or witty yeah or witty exactly that's if you say whiffy I say I say whiffy I say whiffy and witty and what's the other ones there are some other ones out there <laughs> I say it Wi-Fi like sci-fi yeah I, a lot of people do I, I say you know it's funny because I was in Europe at the time that this was becoming very popular, the, the term, the you know, Wi-Fi, and mm-hmm. it, it's all Wi-Fi over there, and I, I just started saying Wi-Fi. <laughs> and it, it actually is, I find it easier to say. Well, possibly. But most people do say Wi-Fi. Well, Wi-Fi just 
has connotations for me of it smells bad. <laughs> do you have well, do well, you why have in your house? <laughs> well, only if I've eaten beans recently. But <laughs> well, why, you know, now that, well, what are you going to call this one then? Because why die has connotations, so you're going to have to call yeah, this one witty. Yeah, it'll be what, <laughs> it's it's witty, I guess. So sure for wireless display, right? I, I'm that's uh, what I assume. Sure. You never can tell these things, though. I mean, there's no, no. There's about three or four different things that DVD is supposed to stand for, depending on who you ask. Yeah, digital versatile disc or digital video it? disc. Yeah, and a couple others as well that I can't remember right now. Mm. Well, how do you say USB? Well, I don't say uh, well, I don't say USB. <laughs> USB. What do you What do you say? Do what do you say that? Uh no, I I say USB. Okay. <laughs> but using that as an interesting segue, USB three was quite popular at CES. 2010 and they were getting some really interesting speeds over it so it's got a theoretical speed of 4.8 gigabits a second yeah but that's theoretical be interesting to see what speeds they, they, they did get and answering your comment and so it should be all over CES because that's really where we're going now yeah exactly I mean it's called super speed super speed yep USB 3 is has Got its nickname, Super Speed. So I think uh, CES gives us a good uh, insight as to, uh, I think, the future mm-hmm. you know, of, of these devices. Although having said that, I, I think you know, there'll be the ones, if you can pick them, and this is the, the trick, uh, picking the ones that are just really going to go nowhere and go into a dead end versus the ones that, yep. will, you, know, that, that, that you can tell are, are going to pave a way into, into you know, the next digital age, if you like. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you weren't there, though? No, God, I'd love to have been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, you're a gadget man. I am. I am. You'll have to go one day, one year. Oh, yes, yes. When we get some awesome sponsorship, we'll, we'll, we'll send the boys of tech to CES. <laughs> Actually, I'll tell you where I did go over the weekend. It was uh, the Linux Conference Australia was uh, was here and hosted in Wellington uh, over the weekend. On, on Saturday... They had an open day to the public, and I, I didn't actually go to the conference, but I, I went to the open day, mm-hmm. and uh, it was kind of interesting. I went around the booths and picked up a free, uh, I got a free notebook from Google. Not oh. a laptop, just a paper notebook. Ah, oh, yeah. damn. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, we've got one story left. We should, uh, we, we'll cover that, and I think wrap up the show then. Hang Microsoft on. did something else. Oh. Microsoft announced something else. Coming okay, in go on then. Okay, you go, yep. Windows 7 Mobile. Windows 7? Really? Was yeah, that Windows announced Mobile at CES? 7. Yeah, Windows Mobile 7. I, it, yeah, well, Windows, Windows Mobile, Mobile 7. 7, yeah. So well, the new kind of version big, of... That's kind of big news because they were stuck on version 6.5 for a long a time. A very long time. <laughs> and everyone wondered what they, what, you know, is anything coming out next or have they completely given up in that space? Is it, what's, have you seen what it's like? Uh, it looks very pretty. But that's what you'd expect. It's it's for a small form factor. Is it for phones? Yes, smartphones. So it it, yep. it would compete well against Android and and the iPhone OS. Well, that's that's we will find out when it's released. <laughs> See whether or not it will. Because they kind of dropped the ball on that one. I think they they almost forgot that that side of things for a little bit for a while. Yeah. So it's good to see them. Uh, 
you know, I forgot that their their OS there was for a smartphone, and <laughs> and it was doing reasonably well as well. It, you know, it's not as if they they were struggling in that. No, they had tons, tons of manufacturers before, who were before Android and there. iPhone. Yeah, before the Android and the iPhone, they were doing reasonably well in that in that market space. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, because they they kind of just ignored it for a while. Now they've got a lot of catching up to do. Yep. All right. And speaking of Microsoft, I see that Bill Gates is now on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he's, got, he's got an official account, a verified account. Well, yeah, you, if you were Bill Gates, would you want to have an unofficial account? Well, there's about 40-odd accounts mimicking, you know, fake accounts. Exactly. So, yeah, if you were Bill Gates, you would want a verified account on Twitter so that you could go, those others are not me. <laughs> I wonder what he says. I'm like, I should have a look. What does Bill Gates actually say on Twitter? So, so you haven't already signed up to be one of his, you know, first 150,000 oh, followers? Oh, I saw that. How's, yeah, how's that for followership? 13 <laughs> hours and 150,000 followers. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. That's impressive. He says... The uh, man has roaring power. <laughs> yeah. He says, an amazing reception for waiting for Superman here at Sundance. Not a dry eye in the house. Ah, that was the last thing he said. No, so, and, and no, I'm not. I'm not following him. No. <laughs> so I can expect that we'll be hearing from all of the different things that he and his wife's foundation and their charity work and all of their other interests and stuff that they're doing now that he's no longer heading off Microsoft. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, that's he's he said he's joined Twitter so he can sort of share his interests and in the and in the work that he's doing now. So. And I guess that's our show. Excellent. Number 50. Wow. Yeah, half a century. Half a century. 50 episodes. And each one gets better. So, Brett, let's wrap up the show. Okie dokie. Brett, thank you very much once again for co-hosting the show with me. Always a pleasure, Evan. It was a good show, this one. Lots of cool things. Yeah, yeah, lots of cool stuff. And... I think I'm going to go now and have a quick look on the web and look at all the stuff from CES and uh, have another read-up. Mm, see what things are your picks of the cool things that that will be and the cool things that won't be. Either that or I'm going to just have to sit tight and wait for the Apple tablet. <laughs> might be waiting yes, a long time. Yes, if there's time. one thing that may be able to pull me away from the Dell tablet, it might be the Apple tablet. Yeah, you'd consider an Apple one? I would consider an Apple one. So far, I, the only foray into Apple branding that I have is my iPod, but their tablet, because as you said, the tablet is really a, a, a niche that Apple's got all of the background for. Yeah, they, they do. could they produce do. a brilliant, brilliant device in this, uh, in this niche. And it's a niche that I'm currently looking for for a device in. I don't need a laptop. I already have one. I don't need a desktop. I already have one. But I need something that's light and portable and allows me to carry around and do something. And a tablet fits that perfectly. Well, uh, look, I'd be keen to help you out. I'll phone Apple and I'll say, hey, look, Steve, I know Brett's in the market for one. Now would be a good time. Yeah, yeah. yeah? You should do that. See what he says. All right, I'll let yep. you know. I'll keep you posted. All right. <laughs> all right, that's episode 50. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And we'll see you all again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.